We're doing three Bible readings this morning, but they're all fairly easy. The only one, next one is Isaiah 42, and then we go to Galatians. But first we do Isaiah 40. And we do from 9 till 11. So Isaiah 40, 9 to 11. Go on up in a high mountain, to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, head of, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. And then we go to Isaiah 42, which is over the page, and we read 1 to 4. Behold my, so 42, verse 1 to 4. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his joy, for his law. And so then we go to Galatians, which is in the New Testament, Galatians 5. And we're reading from 16 to 24. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I want you, as I warned you before, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be here today. And I've been asked also to introduce myself. Of course, there's a number of people here I know, but many I don't. Now, I am a minister of the CRCA and have been for over 50 years, and currently, of course, a member of the uh, Packington Street Church. 
where over the past few years I've been helping out a bit in a vacancy, but now the shoe's on the other foot. So as many of you people have helped us, now we return the compliment and also help you out. After a ministry in Tasmania, I spent 11 years in missionary service in Indonesia. It was delightful to be able to talk to a man who speaks that beautiful language. And um, since then, since 1981, my life has revolved around the institution of the RTC until I retired. But even then, we continue to contribute to the life and ministry of the church. And that's what I delight to do. And this morning, I've chosen to highlight the fruit of the Spirit and particularly gentleness. And I do this because that is the fruit least talked about. As a matter of fact, when I checked, I had never, in over 50 years, never preached on gentleness. Goodness, of course, I did. Love, absolutely. Even self-control, but not gentleness. And I wonder why. Is it that gentleness is considered weak, spineless, and particularly men do perhaps not particularly identify with that? They want to be, you know, a macho man. Assertive, maybe. But secondly, there is a lot of aggression and anger and verbal abuse in our society. You can go to any store now and you'll see a sign up that verbal abuse will not be tolerated. And if you uh, phone big companies like Telstra and others, they will tell you in advance that they will not tolerate abusive language to the staff. If you do, they will simply hang up. That's the way it's going. And I would have to say that Christians are not exempt from some of these practices. For the message of the world is that only the strong survive. If you are gentle, you won't get anywhere. If you apply for a job, assert yourself. That is the way to success and power. Gentleness is not admired. So I'm taking a topical approach to this, okay? So I won't go into all the ins and outs of the, the text and so on, but we know that context is important, so I'll briefly highlight the context, context of this particular passage. The book of Galatians is a constant warning against work righteousness. Where Paul asked, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? And of course the answer is, they received the Holy Spirit when they believed. You can't get to heaven just by being nice and being good. Paul preached the freedom that we have from the burden of law-keeping as a way to salvation. And how can that be? Well, he explains that also when he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So that's the 
substitution that took place. The perfect life and obedience of Christ becomes ours because he has borne the penalty, the curse of sin. And so Paul says to the Christian, in him you are free, you are right with God, approved because of Christ. But that does not give you a license to live as you want. It gives you a reason to admire him and then to walk by the Spirit rather than to give in to the desires of the flesh. So let me ask you, have you ever prayed for the gift of gentleness? Have you ever prayed, Lord, make me a gentle person? Well, I dare say gentleness is not much prayed for or desired. As James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness or the gentleness of wisdom. Meekness and gentleness are often um, synonymous and used interchangeably. So what he's saying is wisdom will result in practical works and in outward conduct marked by meekness and gentleness. So three little things I want to put to you. What is gentleness? Why should we seek it? And how are we doing? Now, as I already said, there are different translations of the, of the word uh, for gentleness, sometimes meekness, courtesy, humility, and so on. But let's consider they largely are different, but largely synonymous. But rather than give a definition, I want to give you an example of strength and gentleness that comes from the post-World War II situation in Eastern Europe and is told in that book, and some of you will remember it, Tortured for Christ. Anyone remember? It's still widely available. Written by a Lutheran pastor, Wormbrand. Now, he had invited a soldier who boasted that he had helped exterminate hundreds of Jews. To which Wormbrand responded, it's a frightening story. And I ask myself, what will happen to the murderers when they stand before God? Well, the soldier didn't like that. But as the, the uh, conversation continued, Wormbred said this, Behind that curtain, my wife Sabina is sleeping. Her parents, her sisters and her 12-year-old brother have been killed with the rest of the family. You told me that you've killed hundreds of Jews, so we may assume that you're the murderer of her family. Well, he got very angry at that. But Wormbrand calmed him down and he said, look, let's have an experiment. I shall wake my wife and tell her who you are and what you have done. She will not speak a word of reproach. If Sabina, who is a sinner, 
can love like that. I can forgive like that. Imagine how Jesus, who is perfect love, can forgive and love you. And at that the man melted, begged for forgiveness, and received it. Now my point is, I admire the skill of this pastor who faced a man squarely with the crimes he had committed that at the same time led him to Christ with such gentleness. And the source of that strength of that gentleness congregation lies in submission and dependence to the word and the authority of God. David, in Psalm 18, verse 35, having been rescued from his enemies, writes this, You, Lord, have given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand supported me, and your gentleness made me great. God's gentleness, read about it in Psalm 23, enabled David to be the shepherd king of Israel, ruling with justice and mercy, and kindness. Another example is Moses. Now you may be surprised. Moses, gentle, didn't he kill an Egyptian? Yes, he did. And later on, when God commanded him to speak to the rock so it would produce water, uh, he was so impatient, so angry, he struck that rock. Rather than speaking to it, and you think, well, is that a big deal? Yes, it was. It was such a big deal that Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land. Nevertheless, Numbers 12 says, Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Humble, gentle. In what way? Well, the context there is uh, that uh, Miriam and Aaron challenged his authority. They said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? I mean, after all, I'm Miriam, I'm a prophetess, and Aaron, I'm a high priest. Would God restrict his communication just to Moses? So here again, the, the, the problem. Who is the greatest? And you remember disciples often had that uh, conversation. Who is the greatest? It's the kind of thing that destroys community and destroys churches. And what did Moses do? Apparently he was silent. He left it to God to vindicate him. And God did. He was angry and Miriam was afflicted with leprosy. But I think an even better example of the gentleness of Moses was the many times that he interceded for his people, begging the Lord for forgiveness because God had said, I'm going to wipe these people. They're a waste of time. I'll destroy them. And it was Moses, time and again, as the mediator of the old covenant who prayed Lord God, do not destroy your people and your heritage whom you have redeemed through your greatness. 
that's a sign of great gentleness and compassion. Martin Luther, who's written a commentary on, uh, on Galatians, among other things, he says this about gentleness. True followers of the gospel must be not be sharp or bitter, but gentle, mild, courteous, and soft-spoken, which should encourage others to seek their company. Gentleness can overlook other people's faults and cover them up. Gentleness can get along with difficult persons. Wouldn't you like to have that gift? Get on with difficult people? So you get, to, you get the idea what it is. Why should we seek it? What should be our motivation for praying for and seeking this fruit of the Spirit? Well, the simple reason should be that we want to be more like Jesus. No one embodies the spirit of gentleness more than Jesus. And Maria read from Isaiah 14 and over to page 42, where it reads, Isaiah 40, 11, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and gently lead those that are with young. From your children's Bible, you all remember the picture of Jesus with the lamb that was uh, that he found, the sheep that was lost was found on his shoulders, the mark of gentleness. And a little later on we read that a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. And again, a bruised reed and a burning or a faintly burning wick, again, useless. Chuck it out. Serves no purpose. But in the eyes of the Lord, the spiritually weak, the doubting, the hurting, the lost, the Zacchaeuses of this world, or a Samaritan woman with five husbands, a grieving widow, he deals gently with them. Strength and gentleness are the hallmark of our Savior's ministry. Yes, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. What a symbol of strength who has all the armies and the hosts of heaven at his fingertips and yet comes as a lamb to take away the sins of the world. Submitting to the humiliation and death of the cross. And when Paul refers to that, he prefaces that with the words, let this mind be in you. The mind of humility and gentleness and service. And that's, at least to me, beautifully expressed in that Christmas carol that reads like this. May I grow through your example. May your smallness make me great. Make me strong with gentle fingers, wise through your simplicity. There again, you have the combination of strength and gentleness. Which is not to say, by the way, that Jesus was always meek and mild. I'm not going to go into that, but you know what he said to the scribes and Pharisees. 
you brood of vipers. You're like a a whitewashed tombs that look great from the outside, but inside you're full of dead bones and uncleanness. But to those burdened by sin, to those who live in fear, who are weary or worn or sad, our gentle shepherd invites, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So, Jesus' arms are wide open to receive all those who want to call upon him. Which then always raises the question, why didn't people come? Why was he rejected, despised even by his own people? So much so that Jesus wept and said, would that you, even you had known on this day the things that make for peace. If only you had known. And why is our culture turning its back on him, refusing that invitation and reaping a harvest of evil and confusion? Or, why would there be anyone here who would hold back from following him and serving him? It's possible, it's possible that we hold back because we don't want to get too involved by the demands of the gospel. Now, the Apostle Paul, in all his writings, showed enormous gentleness in his ministry. That's another reason I want to emphasize it as we go into a new year of ministry. What should be our attitude? 2 Corinthians 10 verse 1. Paul encourages us to deal with each other with the meekness and gentleness of Christ. That's the attitude. Or Titus 3 verse 2. Speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Galatians 6. If anyone is uh, caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That's how Christians should minister and act. And it's only when we do work, serve, and minister in that spirit that we are able to be useful in the service of God. So, how are we doing? How are you doing? Gentleness is not about primarily pleasing people. You understand that? It's to please God. Now, generally, I don't mind trying to, to do and to be good for people I like and care for. But let's not misunderstand. Jesus sets a higher standard. Love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. Now, 
I consider this spiritual fruit, I know I, I lack a lot. And when I go through the list, you might like to do it at home, one that stands out to me, at least, is patience. My wife will tell you I'm not the most patient person. Last Friday, very quickly, I spent uh, two hours on the phone with several companies, electricity and so on. And they keep telling me, your call is important to us. <laughs> and that already makes me somewhat angry and patient. And if somebody answers after a long, long time, and I've had to endure advertising and lousy music, and they say, how's your day been going? I say, wonderful. <laughs> but what, and that's a minor detail, but what if we get impatient with God? You know, we ask, we pray, nothing happens. So we need to pray. Brothers, sisters, we need to pray as the psalmist did. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So that's the question I ask myself. Is there anything in my life that grieves the heart of God? Do I submit with a teachable spirit? As James 1.21 says, Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness and gentleness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. That's where our focus should lie. Now I can hear some of you saying, well, okay then, this week I'm going to cultivate the fruit of gentleness. And maybe next week, self-control. I'm going to try my hardest. I know I can do it. And before you know, you'll burn yourself out trying to be good. The point is, we can't do it. Our strength has to come from God. Whose grace is sufficient for us to live grateful, godly, and gracious lives? Because that's what this chapter in Galatians is about. It's about godliness and godly living. And some of you will say, well, I don't know. It doesn't seem realistic to me. And I don't know whether I've got it in me. Well, you know what? Scripture says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things. How? Through the knowledge of God, through the knowledge of the Scriptures and the great promises that He has given. And as we believe His precious and great promises, our lives are lifted to a different level. We escape, we want to escape the desires of the world and the flesh and enter a divine life, a Christ-like life. And so that is the encouragement today as we, as I said, begin the various forms of ministry that we have. Let us, as Paul says, 
walk and live by the Spirit, and the fruit will show, and among the fruits will be also that fruit of gentleness. And through that fruit, many people may be drawn to the Savior and commit their lives to Him and escape from all that is unworthy to focus on the one thing, Jesus Christ and His salvation. Shall we pray? Almighty and loving God, we praise you for the gift of your word that you've given to us the knowledge of the gospel of our risen Savior. And Lord, we pray for the grace to believe what we read and what we hear and to live in ways that honor you above all. And as we joyfully receive the good news for ourselves, may we also gratefully share it with others and give glory to you, by whose grace alone we are what we are, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We are almost at the close of the service. Uh, just for your information, if there's anyone who would like to know more about this church or about the gospel or about God and so on, there is a desk there where you can find help and information. And of course, after we close with our closing song, you are invited to stay for morning tea or coffee. So would you please stand? And we go and we leave with a benediction, which simply means a good word, a good word from God. And it is this, the grace of Christ our Savior, the Father's boundless love, with the Holy Spirit's favor, rest upon you from above. Amen. And we close with the hymn or the song, O Great God.